Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Sermons Podcast. At Legacy Church, we help people find their identity in Jesus and their place in His mission to impact the world through the gospel. We ask that you grab your Bibles, listen up, and we hope that you hear a great word from the Lord today. Let's do a quick series just with the time that we've got before Christmas called Gift Exchange. That's the name of our series. It's called Gift Exchange. The reason I want to talk about this is because Christmas reminds us that there are some things in our life that we really need to give to God. Are you with me so far? Some things that we need to give over to God. At the same time, there are some things that God really desires to give to us. He wants to give us some things in our response or in response to our willingness to trust Him and to open up our lives to Him. And that's one thing that we're reminded of at Christmas. Now, this isn't like bargaining with God. It's not like, let's make a deal. Um, it's not like I'm giving God something because I really want to earn His favor and get a gift from Him. It's nothing like that. It, it is kind of like the gift exchange that my family does at Christmas time. I don't know if you do these in your families. I'm sure you've done it somewhere along the way, maybe a white elephant or, or some other kind of gift exchange, but we take a hat, and we have in my home the names of our family in the hat, and we pull out the strip, and you are paired with somebody, and you exchange a gift with that person. That happens when your family gets a little too big for, uh, for everyone to be buying everyone presents. So that's what we do, and I might be paired with any of them. Last year, I was paired with my six-year-old, Jessa. She'll be six this week. Happy birthday, Jessa. Um, but I was paired with her. I can't honestly remember what she gave me last year. It may possibly have been a ball of clay with a feather and some macaroni noodles stuck into it. it. It may possibly have been a bunch of little pieces of paper that she ripped up and threw at me and it looked like white Christmas. I'm, I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but she gave me something creative and full of love that she needed to give to me and I gave her a new paint set with brushes and canvas and new paints. It, it, it's kind of like this except with God, what God desires that we give to Him are all of the things that we can't handle. All of the things that are stealing life from us, God desires that we would give those things to Him. And in return or in exchange, He wants to give us life-giving things. For example, the Bible teaches us that we're to take our worries, our cares, our concerns, our anxieties, and give them to God. Jesus said, uh, you know, give your cares to me, cast your cares on me. Why? Because I care for you. So we give God our anxiety, and He, in exchange, gives us His peace. The Bible tells us that a lot of times we're carrying around baggage, and we don't realize it. Sometimes it's like the kind that you're going to take on your Christmas trip, and sometimes it's like if you're going backpacking, and you're going to be gone for a while, and you're just super weighted down and burdened by, by hurts. We carry this baggage of the hurts that maybe have been done to us, and even hurts that we've done to other people. And we find in the Bible the invitation to bring the baggage of our hurts to God in exchange. He wants to give us healing for those hurts. Maybe you're carrying around grief. Something has grieved your soul, your spirit, and you've just been walking in that grief for a long time. The Bible invites us to give God our grief, and in exchange for our grief, He desires to give us not just happiness, but His joy. That's the promise of the Bible. And so for the next few messages, this week, next Sunday, and Christmas Eve, that's what we'll talk about, the gift exchange that we see in the Bible. And a moment ago, we read Luke 2, and these are some of the most famous words of Christmas. Linus recites them at the end of Charlie Brown Christmas. He says, this day there has been born for you a Savior, and angels appeared, and they speak out to humanity, first to shepherds who are hanging around outside of Bethlehem, 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And I want you to see this this morning. With those words, there are promises of a good gift exchange. And today, what I want to do is share with you a message about Christmas peace. And I was talking to someone this morning said, what are you talking about today? And I said, well, about peace and anxiety. And she said, we can't hear enough of that. And I agree, we can't hear about it enough. And what I want you to see this morning is about how we're invited with this one verse in Luke 2, 14 to exchange our anxiety for Jesus' peace. And, and I asked Dr. Google this week, I said, hey, Dr. Google, what is the opposite of, of peace? And this is what I found. And this is straight from the internet, so you can see it. People ask, what's the opposite of peace? Antonyms, noise, disturbance, tumult, agitation, hostility, disorder, embroilment. I thought that had to do with how you cook fish, embroilment. But the rest of them, they made sense to me. What is the opposite or what happens when we experience noise and agitation and disturbance and hostility? Well, oftentimes it can cause worry and anxiety in our lives. And I wonder how many of you could admit this morning that you've dealt with some worry and anxiety over this past year. And I wonder what it is for you. What has been the thing that you have, you've worried about more than any other thing this past year? What has caused sleepless nights where you've woken up at 1 a.m. and it was right there waiting for you and, and now you're stuck in it and you're, you're turning in it and you're thinking and it's going over and over in your head and you can't go back to sleep. What's the thing that has trapped you with worry this past year? And I ask you, why do you worry? It's a fair question because Jesus asked it in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, why do you worry? Now, there's a difference between worry and concern. Do you agree with me on that? Yeah, there's a difference. Here, I'll give you an example of it. The difference between worry and, and concern, this is going to be a lot harder now that I have to hold a microphone. But concern is like I'm playing baseball and I know I'm going to have a turn up at bat, right? And so I know that I'm going to have to stand at the plate. I know the ball is going to come my way and I need to be ready to swing and I want to connect. I don't want to strike out. And so I think about it. I focus on it. I, I practice. I ready myself for the opportunity so that when it comes... I'm ready. That's concern. I'm concerned about being ready. Worry is like playing dizzy bat baseball. Have you played dizzy bat baseball? Did you play that as a kid? That's where you take the bat, and before you go up to the plate, the first thing you do is you bend over like this, and then you spin one, two, three, four. Hang on, five. I got to do ten times six, seven, eight. Hang on, nine. <laughs> 10. Hang on. Are you, are, are you spinning or am I spinning? And before I even get to the plate, I'm not, I can't stand up. Before I get up to the plate, I do some spinning and then it's my time to step up and when I get to the plate, I can't see straight. I can't stand straight. I can't swing straight. I can't run right, and likely I'm going to fall if I don't have a stool to lean on, because I've been so wrapped up in this spin cycle of, of worry. And then it's my turn, but I can't, I can't see straight, and then the pitch comes, and I'm not in the right place, and my turn is up. You see the difference between concern and worry? 
And Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, he says, why do you do that to yourself? Why do you keep doing this to yourself, being consumed with worry about what you'll eat and, and what you'll wear when God has clothed the flowers of the field and the birds of the air, and He cares so much more for you than all of that, why do you worry? And I've found, I'm just out of breath a little bit here is one thing i found. I've found that the reason that we worry often is less about what's happening to me, but whether or not what's in me is strong enough to handle what happens to me, or the things that I have to face. Does that make sense? That sometimes, or maybe more often, we worry less about what, what's happening than can I handle what's happening? Is what's in me able to handle what happens to me? And for that reason, when we come to this declaration um, in the moment that Jesus comes to earth in the flesh, it's such a powerful and potent statement when the angels come and they say, there is a God above you who comes before you to live with you because God has always been for you. And why today we on the other side of Jesus' incarnation, his perfect life, his death, his powerful resurrection from the dead and the coming of the Holy Spirit, we might hear these same words from the angels, something like, there is a God above you, he is real, he is alive, there's a God above you who has gone before you, he lives within you and he's always, always fighting for you, for your soul, for your spirit that you would experience every bit of joy that He wants for you in this life, that He would be the most glorious person in your life, that His glory would fill you, which would always be the very best thing for you. So you can, can you see how this is not just the news, it's not just the facts that the angels are declaring in the field to the shepherds, but it's, it's the facts and it's the news wrapped up with a promise. And I love how one pastor broke down verse 11. Take a look at verse 11. It says, For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And one pastor broke this down. He said, On a day, this is in real history, in a city, this is in the real world, the Savior came to take away all of our guilt and brokenness. He is Christ who fulfills the promises of God and fulfills all of the hopes and all of the longings of our heart. He is the Lord come to defeat our enemies and come to make us safe and satisfied forever. Do you see that? And that's why this statement, verse 14, says so much. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he's well pleased. Listen, if you're a Christian, he's come before you, he lives within you, he's fighting for you. What's in you is able to handle whatever happens to you. Not you, not because you're so tough or so smart, but because Christ is alive in you. His Spirit dwells within you. So peace to your worry. Peace to your anxiety, Christian. Peace to all of the chaos inside. Look at Luke 10. Luke 10 is a, a moment where Jesus has grown now. He's gathered disciples He's been giving them an experience of His glory. He's been revealing to them who He is. He's been teaching them. They're His disciples. In Luke 10, He's about to send them out on their first mission trip without Him. He's pairing them up and sending them out in, in small groups to do His work, to be His representatives. 
and, and they're disciples just like I'm a disciple. And if you're a Christian, you're a disciple of Jesus. And just like that, you know, 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that we are his representatives. We are his ambassadors in the world. Well, he sends these disciples, and this is what he says to them. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. That's kind of a curious or strange statement when it's not read in context. And so here's the context. These disciples are being sent out with very little. They're not taking much with them. They don't know where they'll sleep at night. They don't know if they'll have enough food. They just know that they've been walking with Jesus and the things that they've seen him do and the things that they've heard him say, they're supposed to go and do this also and have faith and trust that that he is sovereign and that he is caring for them. And so he, Jesus, in this moment says, in this instance, with this missionary trip that you're taking, The signs will be tied up in this phrase, peace be to this house. That will be the sign for open doors for the gospel to enter. That's what you're looking for. And if you come to a home, if you come to a a, a village and you say, peace be to this house, and they receive you, then stay there. Verse 7, stay in that house eating and drinking, whatever they give you for the laborers worthy of his wages. Stay there and don't keep moving from house to house. Remain there and don't go any further because that home is open to Christ and his kingdom. That home has presented an open door for the gospel to enter. So go in and dwell with them. So the people who live in the home that receive these disciples as they say, peace be to this house, they are the ones who receive and experience the peace of God. A shalom settles over all who live in that home because the people of God, the representatives of Jesus, have settled into their home and they've come bringing their joy in the good news of Jesus' saving work. They come with the internal peace that they've been given by coming close to Jesus Christ, the Savior, and it spreads throughout the home. In some cases, what we find after this story is that included physical healings of sicknesses. And in other cases, it involved a spiritual oppression on people being lifted from them. And so as the disciples settled wherever people welcomed their peace, shalom was experienced. Things were as they should be. And we're also told that after this, that some homes that they went to rejected them. Some homes they went to, they said, peace be to this house, and they were not received. And so the people who lived in those homes did not experience shalom. They did not experience the peace the disciples were sent to bring. And I I read a pastor say this about Luke 2. He said, God's peace in Christ is offered to the world, but only the sons of peace. That's what Luke 10 says. Uh, 6 says, only the sons of peace receive it. So how do you know if that's you? How do you know if you're a son of peace? How do you know if you're a part of the angel's promise when it said on earth, peace among men with whom he's well pleased? Well, the answer is you welcome the peacemaker, right? You receive Jesus. Those who welcome the peace bringer, who welcome the peacemaker are those who experience the peace, that makes sense? I mean, it's, it's, it's simple stuff. It's not about God withholding peace from some and, and going, ah, I don't want to give it to them. I'll give it to others. Like, it's not like God saying, I like the looks of this side of the room. You may have my peace, but you guys look a little scraggly this morning. You may not have my peace. <laughs> That's not what it means when it, it says, 
only peace for those with whom He's well pleased. It is peace for all who would welcome in the peace bringer, the peacemaker. Does that make sense to you? So just as Jesus' disciples would incarnate, would in the flesh bring the, the ministry of Christ, the presence of Christ, the word of Christ into the home, and those who would welcome them in would experience the fruit or the joy or the peace of their presence, so will you experience the peace of Jesus when you welcome him into your chaos? And there is a moment where every one of us have to come to kind of the end of ourselves, trying to force peace on ourselves, trying to buy it or manufacture it, and we have to say, I, I have to depend on Jesus for it. But then there's a daily, a, a not just daily, but a, a constant welcoming of Jesus into every moment and everything that happens in our lives and everything that we face in our lives. If we want peace to rule, then Jesus must rule in our hearts and in our minds. Understand this, God's purpose is not to give you peace apart from himself. I think that's huge. God's purpose is not to give you peace apart from himself. His purpose is to give you peace by him being the most glorious person in your life. And because you are with God, because you, have, you are in Christ, because you've depended on him, everything that is in him begins to be shared with you. That's the purpose of God in your life. And that's why the angels, when they make this declaration to the shepherds, there's really two statements. Look at verse 14 again. Two statements. One, they say, glory to God in the highest. That's number one. Number two, and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. There's two statements there. And they travel together always. Where God is glorified, peace is experienced. My great desire for you this morning and every day, is that you would experience peace in the midst of the chaos and the anxiety of life, in, midst, in the midst of the turmoil and the, it was the word embroilment, <laughs> that you would experience the peace that the angels promised and that Jesus intends for you to experience. And I want you to understand what that peace looks like because the Bible talks about peace a whole lot. And, and I, no way for me to cover every word the Bible says about peace. So I, if we want to think of it like this, God wants us to have peace in three big buckets. You go with me on this. I, I can't talk about every situation you'll face in this life. I can't go through every detail of what if, what if, what if. But I do believe that everything that you face will fit into one of these three big buckets. And if, if we want to think of it that way, the Bible teaches that God wants you to have peace with himself, first of all. He wants you to have peace with God. God desires that you would also have peace with yourself. Some of you struggle with that. Some of we all do. We look in the mirror and we go, I'm not okay with what I see. And God wants us to have peace with others as much as possible in this life. He wants us to experience this. And so I, what I want to do is I want to give you in the next few minutes just some signposts. I want to point you to some places in the Bible. And as you begin to consider where is it that I experience the most anxiety, you know, compulsory all over my life, or maybe just this past year, maybe in this moment, wherever it is I feel the most anxiety, maybe I might find a sign in the Word of God in His promise for how he might exchange that for his peace. The first and the most basic need of every human being's life is to have peace with God.
the first big bucket, to have peace with God. If we don't have peace with God, all other experiences of peace, hear me, all other experiences of peace will be superficial and temporary if we don't have peace with God. Facts. And this is a note-taking Sunday. I should have said that earlier. This is a note-taking Sunday. And so you should, you should write some things down here in a minute or take some pictures of the screen because I'm going to throw a lot of verses at you, a lot of passages that will be there for you to go into this week as you begin to consider where is it that I struggle to experience peace. You may need to go and sit in these passages. Here's the first one. For peace with God, I want you to look at this. Romans 5, 1 through 11. Ephesians 2, 12 through 14. And John 14, 27. Write those down or take a picture of them. You're going to need to go back into these this week. I'll look at them quickly. Romans 5, 1 starts like this. Having been justified. Somebody say justified. Okay, we're going to define that. Having been justified by faith, we have peace, there's our word, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified simply means that God, when He looks at you, has declared you just or right to be in His presence because you are in Christ and His righteousness has been applied to you. It's okay for you to be close to the Holy One. It's okay for you to come into the presence of God because you're with Christ. And I want you to notice this: how this happens. It happens by what? By faith. By faith alone. Not because you go to church, not because you tithe, not because you volunteer. Please do. Not because you have a family who's, we've always been Christians. As long as I can remember, my family's always been Christians. Not because of that, not because you voted this way or that way, but it's by faith alone. Faith in Christ alone is what brings justification and brings the right ability to come before God and have relationship with Him. Verse 10 says, for if while we were enemies, somebody say enemies. Hang on to that word for a second. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. I think we severely underestimate the nature of our spiritual condition apart from Jesus Christ. I think we think that we're just, you know, a little off base. There's, you know, just a little separation, a little distance between me and God. We're not that, we're not that close. We're not as close as we should be. This says we were enemies apart from Jesus. We were enemies of God. Ephesians 2 says this. Remember that at one time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. So understand something. Apart from Jesus, enemies of God. With Jesus, saved from destruction, reconciled to our Maker. Apart from Jesus, enemies of God. With Jesus, saved from destruction, sons and daughters of the living God, co-heirs with Christ, forgiven, accepted, redeemed, restored, saved. The result of welcoming Jesus, the peacemaker, into your life is the experience of having peace with God, and there's no other way to it. Our rebellious hearts are overcome. 
God adopts us into his own family. God will never be against us and his will toward us will always be good for us. Because why? Because now he's our father and he's our friend. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Some of you have never found that. There's some of you here this morning who've never, you've never come to that moment. And look, we've all been there where we're trying to work our way to peace with God. We've all experienced that. And you think maybe if I could just get a little smarter or I could work a little harder or I could accumulate a little more stuff, then I could experience peace. Or if I could just you know, do this many right things or this many good things and I could build them up, that would give me something to step on to, to reach out towards, towards God. Romans 10 said it's by faith alone, right? If that's you this morning and you've never come to the end of your pursuits to experience peace with God, to experience salvation, to experience His peace, I, I'd tell you this morning, I'd invite you, this is the day that you stop trying so hard and you just cling to Jesus. It's the only advice I can give you, and this is advice that I read it here, but the Holy Spirit has convicted my heart of it, and it's brought me peace with God. It's changed my life forever, and there are people all over the room who would say the same. If you've never tasted or seen or experienced peace with God, all I can tell you is today's the day to stop trying so hard and just turn to Him. And I would ask you this morning, if that's you, that you might just go to Him and, and, and talk to Him. There's not a magic formula, but just say, God, I need you. I need your peace, and I want to trust. I struggle, but I want to trust that Jesus is, is the way to that peace. Help me to trust. Help me to believe. And I'd invite you after the service is over, don't leave here without sharing that with me or one of our other pastors, just so that we could be there to pray for you and to encourage you and to fight for your highest good in Christ. But there are others of you in here who have tasted and experienced that peace, but sometimes you forget about it or you still struggle with it. You've tasted peace with God, but sometimes you doubt. And I want you to remember that, that doubters aren't bad. Doubters can be fighters and doubters can be seekers. I want you to remember the guy who looked at Jesus in the eyes and said, Lord, I believe, but would you help my unbelief? Because both are at work in me right now. And I want you to remember Paul the Apostle who said, Paul the Apostle, <laughs> who said, there's a part of me that really gets it. It really wants to walk in the peace of God, the light of God, the love, the truth, the grace of Jesus Christ. But there's another part of me that just doesn't get it. And I keep turning back and going the other way. I want you to remember that the Psalms are full of that struggle. And they invite you in your doubt, in your struggle, to take that to the Lord. To take it to Him and to ask His help. To ask His counsel. To ask Him to help you to see rightly. And to stop spinning around before you face what's coming at you. And to help you grow in trust and to help you Help your heart to believe. Remember, Jesus said this, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. And then he told those same people, those who do that, those who trust me for that, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give, because the world promises a lot and never really delivers. And if it gives it to you, it takes it back pretty quickly. But that's not me. I give and I give and I give and I keep on giving. So don't let your heart be troubled nor let it be fearful. We don't need to be afraid of God. And we don't need to be afraid of where we stand with God in Christ, because in Christ we have peace with God. It's the first big bucket. Second bucket 
when we have peace with God, then we can begin to experience peace with ourselves. And I don't think I can have peace with myself until I've dealt with my relationship with the Lord. Because I need His help to have peace with myself. Here's three passages for you, note-taking Sunday. I want you to look at these this week and ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding of these words to your own life. Isaiah 26.3, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and Galatians 5.22. Write them down or take a picture of it. The first one is a song of protection that the people of God sang a very, very long time ago. And I love the line, the steadfast of mind you will keep, you will keep, you will keep in perfect peace. Why? Because the steadfast in mind trusts in you. In other words, what the steadfast in mind means, it's the person who continues welcoming the Lord into the chaos of their life. They don't stop welcoming the Lord into the chaos of their life. And because they are constantly welcoming the Lord into the chaos of their life, the, the Lord is constantly applying His peace over their chaos. Does that make sense? Come on, God, I need you. Come on, God, I need you. God says, I'm here for you. I'm with you. I'm fighting for you again and again and again. And He applies it over all of our anxieties, the things like, am I good enough? And am I smart enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I strong enough? Am, am I going to make it through this thing? Am I going to make it in this life? Do I have what it takes? Am I what people say I am? Is that all that I am? And is what's in me strong enough to handle what happens to me? I keep welcoming him into my chaos. I keep welcoming him into those questions, and he keeps applying his peace over my anxieties. God is confident about who he is. <laughs> he is confident about what he can do. He is confident about who we are in Christ, and He is confident about what He can do in us and through us when we are in Christ, and so His peace overflows to us. Philippians 4 says, Christian, be anxious about nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Take it to the Lord. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, how does that work, Kevin? Well, it works like this. If you're in Christ, the Bible teaches the Holy Spirit dwells with you. He is with you at all times. He is your helper. And Galatians 5.22 says the Holy Spirit desire, desires to grow in your life at all times this fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control as we are welcoming Him into every area and every facet of our lives. He is growing. He desires to grow these things about in your life. And when we, in the midst of self-doubt and anxiety, come to Him and remember that in Christ we already have peace with God, and in Christ, we can begin to have peace with ourselves. That peace begins to come to us and steady us and stabilize us and protect us. And some of you, you're, you, you walked in the room anxious this morning. Some of you have stuff that's been going on all week, all season, all month, all year, for the last two years, and it has worn you to the bone, and you don't know how much further that you can make it. I mean, it's like, I can't see the light anymore. What light? <laughs> I've been in the dark for so long of worry and anxiety, I don't even know what light is anymore. And some of you, 
You're just thinking about what's next, what's coming next, and it's beginning to grow in you as you begin to spin in the, the, the cycle of dizzy bat life. And anxiety is beginning to grow in you. My advice to you this morning is to take it to the God. Take your anxieties to Him. Tell Him, I am becoming consumed. My concern is becoming anxiety, and I need your help. It's the invitation of the Bible for us. Ask Him to help you to see clearly. Ask Him to help you to, to rest in Him. Ask Him to help you to trust in Him. That's the second bucket. Bucket three, God wants us to enjoy. Now listen how I say this. He wants us to enjoy His peace with others. Not just like a little bit of peace that you manufacture because you come to an agreement and you shake hands and say, we're not going to fight anymore. Not a, a momentary peace and you know it's going to come back around and you're going to have another battle, you know, in another week if you can make it that far. He desires that we would experience His perfect peace with other people. And to be fair, we know that we can't control other people. We can't control if they will be at peace with us. I have found it's harder than ever to even expect people to have good manners these days. Can I get an amen on that? We can't control what other people are going to do um, because we're in this, I mean, incredible age of, of, of divided individuality and criticism. But here are three passages. Write them down or take a picture. Sit in these this week if you're struggling to experience peace with people. Romans 12, 18, Psalm 34, 14, and Matthew 5, 9. And if you would for just a minute, let me read these three verses over you. Maybe you close your eyes and just hear the words. Forget my voice. These are the words of God speaking over your life and your chaos. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. You can open your eyes. What do all three of those have in common? Kind of like Luke 10, when Jesus sent the disciples out, it talked to them about their responsibility. It says, those who belong to Christ, those who go in the name of Christ, because you have experienced peace with God, which spills over into peace with yourself, then you go in with every home you enter, every workplace you go into, every classroom you enter, every, every sphere that you enter in society, you go declaring, peace be to this house and wait for them to receive you. Now, that can be hard. That, that's not easy. It's not sentimental. It's, it's gritty work that we're called to, right? It takes self-sacrifice. It takes a, a willingness to put up with some stuff. And it takes dying sometimes to what we think are our rights. And you may need help with that because that's, it's so tough. So here's some help. Ephesians 4, this isn't what you go to them and declare over them. This is what you go to yourself and declare over yourself. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. 
Some of you are in the middle of a fight right now with somebody. Maybe it's not a full-blown fight, but you just go, I am so sick of dealing with this person and this thing. Listen to these words. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving each other. Oh, and here's where the power for it comes. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. What it doesn't say next is, and all of the problems will go away. It may get thrown back in your face. It's possible that the person that you're having conflict with will double down on their bent towards division. And that hurts. That stings. It's going to cause you to be tempted to throw yourself into the battle. How dare they, when I tried to come with them with goodwill and peace, how dare they double down on, on their fight with me? I'll, I'll show them. You can't control them. You can't. Quit trying. But you can surrender control of your words and your actions and your attitudes and your heart to the great peace bringer to the great peacemaker, and then you can be just like the angels who show up declaring glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among men with whom he is pleased. And you can choose to be content with that. In fact, I think that you will find if you choose to be content with that, you'll be satisfied in that. Why? One, because it brings God glory, and two, because it is so good for your soul to let go of that desire to fight with people, to let go of it and hand it over to God and allow Him to bring a calming balm of peace over your soul and move on with your life. In Luke 10, Jesus didn't say to them, declare peace be to this house and if they don't welcome you, kick the door in and let them know how much I love them. He said, keep moving, keep moving and declaring peace. My dad used to say this to me and my brother, and I've come to say it to my kids. It sounds a lot less spiritual than everything else we've talked about. Maybe you had a dad or a grandpa say this to you. He said, you've got to let other people's words and actions roll off your back like water off a duck. Did you ever hear that? So my brother and I would get into it, and there would be my dad saying, be a duck. <laughs> it's very helpful when you're in the middle of a fight. <laughs> but maybe we do need to, to be a bit of a duck. What is it that's consumed you with anxiety and, and worry more than any other thing this past year? Jesus asked, why do you do that to yourself? Does it fit in one of these three buckets? Peace with God, peace with self, peace with others? And maybe you see the list and you go, oh, Kevin, my thing, I don't know how it fits into those. It is this, this way off left field thing, and, and I'm not sure that I see the connection right now. Here's the good news. The declaration of peace that the angels give is holistic. It, it, it covers everything. The peace that Jesus brings applies to every experience the human can have in this life. He's got that. That's the good news. Jesus said, I've come that you would have life and life to the full. And that's why he came on a day to a city to save as Christ the Lord, to exchange our anxieties for his perfect peace.
So may you experience Christmas peace this season, and may he get every bit of the glory for it. Would you pray with me? God of peace, oh, how we need you. We need you in our lives. We need you in these days. We need you in our families. We need you in our finances. We need you in our our health. We need you in our society. We need you in our country. We need you in our city. We need you in our relationships. We need you. We're so grateful, Jesus, that you would leave the perfect peace of heaven, that you would leave the place where there is no conflict, the place where you are glorified perfectly, that you would leave that place and you would come to earth that we might taste and experience what it's like to have all things made right, to have shalom settle on our hearts, our minds, our souls. I pray for everyone in this room that we would trust you for your peace. And for those who have never before, I pray this would be the day that they would be satisfied in you. And as we leave from this place, that we would be like those disciples in Luke 10, and we would carry the peace of Christ to every room that we enter, declaring, peace be with you. Why? Because we know you. In Jesus' name, amen.